So back to Moses. After he goes through all of the laws, he issues a final challenge that Israel should listen to and love their God. He first issues a warning and the ultimatum. If Israel listens to and obeys their God, everything's going to go great, lots of divine blessing. But if they don't listen and rebel, famine, plague, devastation, and ultimately exile from the land. And then Moses forces a decision. He says, today I set before you all life or death, blessing or curse, goodness or evil. So choose life by loving the Lord your God and listening to him. But then Moses says this. He says, I know that after I die, you're going to rebel and turn away from God and end up in exile which is kind of a downer, but then again, he's been with these people for decades and it becomes clear that his hopes are not very high. But all is not lost, Moses says. One day, when Israel is sitting in exile, at any point, Moses says, they can turn back to their God, who will, in his words, circumcise your hearts so that you may love him with all your heart and soul and live. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and on all of us who are gathered here. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Take all of our thoughts and make them yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Father, we love you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're at the end of Deuteronomy. And by this point... Um, they, are, they are camped right across the border from the promised land when they are about to go over. And so these last few chapters of Deuteronomy are Moses giving his farewell address to the people, essentially. He knows he's going to die before they cross over. And this is his last chance to talk to them, to teach them, to instruct them. And so... What we're getting today are snippets of his farewell address to the people. So we're starting in chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, then skipping to verses 15 through 24, and then we're skipping ahead to chapter 30, verse 15. But I'm going to just read them all the way through. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. 
The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish, and the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed." See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I have now reached the age where eating pizza poses a dilemma for me. (laughs) Some of you may have experienced this, right? I want to eat the pizza. Right? It's, it's delicious. It's cheap. It's way more convenient than cooking dinner. Um, the problem is I know if I eat fast food pizza, there's a very good chance I'll be awakened sometime after midnight with some part of my body screaming in protest. Right? And for whatever reason, this doesn't happen with like the good stuff. If, if I go to like B&J's or Sal's, it's fine. But Domino's will have its revenge. <laughs> and yet... Sometimes I still eat it. I know it's a bad idea. I, I know the curse that will result from this choice, and it is a curse, let me tell you. And I do it anyway. My daughter has reached the age where she has to test every boundary, right? And I'm, I'm, I've got like 10 more years of that left, I think. But <laughs> No, no. Anyways, uh, so the other day my wife was trying to take a nap in the bedroom, which meant I had to keep the child away from the bedroom because the child wanted to run in there wearing a cape made of blankets, pretending to be a superhero, and jump on the bed to fight off the monsters, which doesn't work well when you're trying to nap, right? So I told her, no, you can't go in the bedroom. And she looked me in the eye, and she ran straight to the bedroom door. So I grabbed her and I carried her back to the living room and I said in a calm and rational voice that she is not allowed in our bedroom right now. And she looked me in the eye and she made a beeline for the bedroom door. And so I grabbed her and I carried her back to the living room and in a slightly less calm and less rational voice, I told her she's not allowed to go in our bedroom right now. And she looked me in the eye, she made a beeline for the bedroom door. So this time I grabbed her and I carried her back to to the living room and I told her, if you try and go in the bedroom again, you're going to get a spanking. 
which in our house is literally a slap on the wrist, but it works usually, right? And she paused, and she thought about it for a moment. She kept thinking, and she looked me in the eye and made a beeline for the bedroom door. <laughs> she knew exactly what the consequence of her choice would be, but she did it anyway which is what I have in store for me for a long time now, right? I, you know, it's going to happen and going to get worse. We all do this. We all make bad choices even though we know that they're bad choices. Even though we can predict the outcome of those bad choices, we still make them. Why? Because even though we know what the consequences will be, we don't stop to seriously consider them. We treat them as future problems for our future selves. And then we act shocked and angry when we begin to actually experience those consequences. Now, I gave some fairly standard and kind of silly examples, but there are more serious ones. Right? We all know if we want to be healthy, we need to eat better and exercise more, but some of us just don't do it. And I'll be honest, I'm not actually interested in living as long as I can. Um, <laughs> Death comes for us all, right? It's going to, I mean, I want to live long enough to watch my kids grow up and have kids of their own, but that's about it. You know, I'm, I don't want to be healthy just for the sake of delaying death as long as possible, but I do want to be healthy enough that my final years are relatively pleasant. And I, I've watched in my own family and, of course, just in my job as a pastor, I have watched people who get to their final years and they're miserable because of choices that they made because they didn't take care of themselves properly, because they're um, unwilling to do the things they need to do now to keep themselves relatively comfortable. I, I watched, for the last 10 years or so of his life, my grandfather was in constant misery because he was both unwilling to do the things he needed to do to make himself less miserable, and he was so afraid of dying, he kept undergoing life-prolonging procedures at the expense of his quality of life. And that describes a whole lot of people. Right, the consequences of choices he made throughout his adult life and into his final years were 10 years of misery at the end, and it was entirely predictable. Every last bit of it. And I mean, quite literally, doctors would tell him, if you don't do this, this will happen, and then it would happen, and then he'd be angry that it happened. And we'd all tell him the same thing, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. But a lot of us will do the same thing. We all know now how student loans turn out, right? And if you don't, let me tell you from firsthand experience. Um, the whole system is designed so that you can't pay them off. They're not meant to be paid off. They're designed to keep the majority of people who borrow them paying them forever. There are millions of people who've been making payments for decades and still owe more than they borrowed originally. It's a predatory, immoral system, and it doesn't just affect the borrowers, because what happens now is every university in the country has access to effectively unlimited federal funds. They can charge whatever they want, because the, the students can just get a loan that doesn't require any credit check, doesn't require a down payment, doesn't require a cosigner, in whatever amount they need. So the cost of college keeps going up, even though they aren't paying the professors and the staff more. And what's more, all of that student loan debt, it's not going anywhere. It will never be paid off. No matter what happens, it isn't getting paid back. The borrowers cannot pay it all. 
and they will never be able to. All the talk you're hearing from politicians about how we've got to make them pay that money back, it's meaningless because most of those borrowers will die before they could ever pay back the balance. Everyone knows this is a problem. All the decision makers know that this is true. Everyone knows a college education is no longer a guarantee that you'll get a job that will pay well enough to pay off those loans, but everyone keeps pushing kids to go to college and those kids keep taking out loans and the government keeps giving them loans. We all know it won't end well for anyone, but we keep doing it. Before they ever entered the Promised Land, the Israelites knew exactly what would happen if they broke the covenant with their God. They memorized these passages. Every child in Israel was taught these blessings and these curses. And what did they do? They broke the covenant. And I mean like almost immediately. They did not seriously consider the consequences of their choices. And Moses knows that they're going to fail. He knows that they will know the right thing. They will know what not to do. And they will choose the curse over the blessing. I mean, they've done that actually multiple times in the wilderness already. Moses here is really speaking to future generations. He's no longer just talking to the people right in front of him, but to their descendants, the people who will actually be living in the land, because it's, it's clear from the way all this is set up that both Moses and God are expecting things to be different when they get to the promised land. It's, it's as if the laws aren't really going to crystallize and be in effect until they are in the promised land. Because that's the deal, right? I mean, that's God's part of the covenant. I give you the land, and then you follow these rules. And they're trying to instill in people this idea that, look, once you get in there, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Because once you get into the promised land, this covenant is in full effect. And Moses can see what's going to happen. He can see the outcome. And he warns them in advance. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes and God will have to discipline you. And it's going to be severe. And God will still love you. And he'll still take you back and he will still be your God even if you haven't learned to be obedient yet. And the really interesting thing from our point of view, by the way, is that by the time Jesus comes around, there is a consensus amongst all the rabbis and the Jewish theologians that this talk of blessings and curses is not hypothetical. It's not like, if you do this, then this will happen. They go back through their own history, and they, they see, ah, yes, this is when the curse from Deuteronomy 30 began. In their eyes, it was a promise of what was going to happen, that Moses and God knew in advance they would break the rules and all these curses that they are listed, they point to specific events in their own history and say, yep, that's where that one happened, and that's where that one happened, and that's where that one happened. It's real to them. They can look back at their own history of knowing perfectly well what they should not do 
and knowing that they're going to mess that make that mistake anyway. Because we aren't actually very good at obedience, and we aren't very good at considering the consequences of our actions, not, not in like a serious way. We don't usually pause to really think long-term about what it will mean, about what it will really be like to suffer the consequences of what we're doing now if it's a bad choice. Especially not if the thing we want to do is really, really tempting. The greater the temptation is, the worse we are at considering the consequences. And part of that is we have a limited perspective. I mean, it's, it's truly difficult for us to imagine our own future in concrete terms. And so the temptation to do what we want, even if we know it's going to come back to bite us, can be overwhelming. Elsewhere in that chapter, Moses will talk about God circumcising their hearts. It's a phrase that Paul picks up on later. Uh, so it's the same language being used in the New Testament. And the implication is, if we turn to God and we strive to be obedient to him, he will be at work in us to change us. Right from the beginning, right here in Deuteronomy, everyone knows that this law they're being given is something they cannot uphold on their own. They know they're going to fail. God knows they're going to fail. What they will miss out on later in their own history is that the promise was, was always that if you do this right, God himself will help you uphold the law. You don't have to be rigid about it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be flawless. All you have to do is rely on God. The, the promise right from the beginning is God will help you do this if you just lean on him. We don't have to rely on our own strength. We don't have to rely on our own wisdom or our own decision-making ability. Thank God, because I would be in dire straits if I did. I know I don't make the best choices. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And he can change us to be more like him, to make decisions the way that he would make them were he in our shoes, and to see things from his perspective. So as we get here to the very end of the Torah and the people are facing a life in the promised land and they're trying to figure out how they're going to live under the law, we remember, we remember it was never supposed to be under our own power. It was never supposed to rely on us or our ability or our perfection or our faithfulness or any of that. The plan from the beginning was that as long as God dwells with his people, he can change his people. He can shape them to be more like him. He can strengthen them. He can guide them with his wisdom and his power. In other words, we can choose life because God chooses us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.